0: everyone and welcome back. Here we are. We are halfway through September, like officially halfway through September and fall is just around the corner. Um, If you listen to this podcast on any day besides Wednesday, which I know tons of you do, then you're already more than halfway through September. So wow. Um, I'm actually pretty excited about it. For once, like I don't mind the month going by quickly and I'm going to tell you why. So first of all, two really important things you should know about me. I love summer. It is hands down my favorite season. The hotter, the better. The more sunshine hitting my face, the happier I am. So when the cold temperatures start coming in and fall starts to settle, I start to feel a little bit panicky because I know that cold is coming. And here in New England, our winter is like eternal. It's skin dryingly, energy suckingly, blood thinningly, never ending. So I just sort of gloss over all the pretty fall foliage because I'm busy clinging on to summer like I'll never see it again because basically it feels like that. So I guess uh, that was really just one thing that I like summer, which doesn't necessarily mean I like I don't like winter, but in my case it does. That all said, I am determined to make this my best winter ever. I really am. You all can hold me accountable. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to embrace the cold. I'm going to let my fingers freeze off as they may and just really just love it. I'm going to really try. (laughs) So um, the reason I'm excited is because September and October are a little chaotic for me at best. My calendar is kind of like a little bit of a war zone right now. And My end of summer offer on my content bundle package went so amazingly last month that I'm spending this entire month and a little bit of next month working on them all, plus a couple of new projects, which you'll hear about next month. And then there's the She Built This VIP group, which Lordy, we are having so much fun in there. And there is so much happening for people to get in on. This week alone, we have our monthly virtual workshop, which is called The Stories We Tell Matter. And that's with Karen Kenny on Thursday, tomorrow, September 16th at 12 o'clock Eastern time. And we also have an in-person hopefully outside weather permitting, writing retreat with Becky Karish at Stepping Stones Farm in Temple, New Hampshire this Friday, September 17th. Plus, we're in the midst of our three-part diversity, equity, and inclusion workshop, which kicked off last week. So the thing with these upcoming workshops is you're invited because they are open to all. And I do welcome 11th Hour. 11th hour-ers, meaning you can still sign up right now today to join us. You can literally sign up like an hour before. We just want you to come and have fun with us. So like I said, this month is a little busy. I'm having a blast with my VIP group. We're welcoming in new members. We had our monthly peer group call. People are raising the most amazing questions and I'm watching People create accountability pods, lean on each other for resources like a community leader can only dream of. It is a thing of beauty. Actually, last week during the DEI workshop, I almost cried because the people who showed up were just like so in it. They were so ready to learn and listen and they were sharing openly and authentically. And I know I sound like a proud parent right now, but I'm just very blown away with the ladies in the VIP group and I'm I'm loving it. Um, and I think I accidentally digressed a little bit, but my point was that summer is very busy. And I have some things on the docket for October that are they're less busy, but they're no less exciting and still feels kind of high gear. So in November I've decided that old Emily Aborn is gonna take a little bit of a well deserved gear shift. I decided the other day And I've been starting to kind of think about how that's going to look. I'm taking like an entire month of slowing down over here. Not a stop that would be that would be nearly impossible but a slowdown because I really want time to create intentionally and embrace uh, some of the ideas that I have for 2022 because I know 22 is going to bring 2022 that's hard to say it is going to bring some exciting things and I really do my best in creating those things when I have some time and space to step away and envision what that's going to look like so November is on my calendar. It is the official month to tap the brakes. And I already know that that means, you know, all kinds of good things are going to come from that because so often that happens, right? We decide that we're going to take a pause or take some time to reflect or really like let ourselves fully embrace self-care and then such good things are on the other side. And I've already heard from some other She Built This members and friends that they've actually picked two months in the coming year, 2022, to do the exact same thing. Um, And these are like really busy people. So if they can do it, you can do it. And if anything, I just hope that this kind of encourages you to maybe choose a month coming up soon to do the same. I know that for me, it feels really exciting to have that on my calendar and know that that is there kind of like as a reward for me. So maybe even you match it to a slower season in your business and just see what happens as a result of giving yourself a little extra space. So uh, without further ado, I know you are itching for me to get into this conversation with today's guest, Becky Karish, and we're going to go ahead and do that. But one thing you should know about this episode, this is like the housekeeping bit, okay? Especially if this is your first time joining us, which that's going to be really embarrassing. Um, I interviewed Becky the day before I left for a vacation galavan, and as a result, I came in hot to this interview like a steam engine, and I didn't have my microphone plugged in. no, it was plugged in. It was not turned on. So my headphone mic was picking up my voice instead of my awesome, great mic, which you're hearing now. And so it makes me sound like I have a tissue shoved up my nostrils, like one in each nostril, legit. And also the headphones are like banging around against my head half the time. But I guess it works because our whole episode is essentially about like imperfection and raw work and how some of the best things that we create come out of these kind of unexpected spaces. So I'm going to just go with I meant to do it, you know, and, and I guess it kind of fits. But if today is like the day that you just so happened to say, oh my gosh, I've never written Emily in Apple podcast review, which I definitely welcome with open arms and i, I would hope you would choose today to be the day to do that just like don't be mean and tell me that the sound sucks because I promise it was an accident it also I'm going to really make sure that it doesn't happen again you live and learn right and so uh, I didn't want to not share this conversation with you because it's way too good to dwell on stupid silly things like that so, uh, one more little tiny piece of housekeeping since we're keeping house right now. Uh, next week, I'll be interviewing Lee Walker, also known as Lee James, which we'll tell you all about. She's a fiction novelist of 36, soon to be 37 novels. It's gonna be so exciting. So, on that note, uh, just make sure that whatever podcast app you're using right now, you hit follow, subscribe, I don't know, like, whatever it tells you to do, just make sure that you are the first to hear when these episodes come out every Wednesday. And now that you've been warned about the sound, you've been prepared for what is to come, away we go. My guest today, Becky Carrish, she is an amazing listener and writer. She's a lover of all things words. And going to her gateless writing salons, I went all last winter and through the summer. It changed my own relationship to my writing and helped me, I think, really to find my voice like nothing ever has before. Um, And I do share about some of that in this episode, but it's really hard to put into words. It's one of those things where I just you know, I cannot encourage you enough to try it and experience it for yourself. Her salons are like this warm, cozy bear hug. And the way that Becky shows up for them, she's so fully present. She listens so deeply and hears things in your work that really help you to grow in your strengths and also gain confidence in your skill as a writer. Um, and Becky, I hope that you're listening to this and you're blushing because you're realizing how wonderful of a human being you are. In her words, Becky's a writer, copywriter, and a family woman. And she came up through newspapers and magazines, and she's run her own business, Read to Me Literary Arts, in various forms since 2012. She's also a trained gateless writing teacher since 2016. And I'm going to make sure to include all the links to Becky's website, as well as her upcoming fall salon sessions, and the retreat for Friday in the show notes. So if you're interested in any of the things that we talk to, especially towards the end, uh, that's the place to check it out. Without further ado, here is my guest, Becky Karish. Hello, Becky Karish, and welcome to the She Built This podcast.
1: Hi, Emily Aborne. I am honored to be here. I
0: love that we're on on only a first and last name basis for this one today. (laughs) We must refer to each other with first and last name at all times. Um, All right. So I read your bio before you joined me, um, but I would love to hear in your own words, who is Becky? And if you care to indulge us in a little bit of your backstory, tell us about where you came from.
1: I think it's fair to say that I came from Maine by way of a Swedish farming family in eastern Massachusetts and a Jewish family in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Because like so many people, place is just so complicated, Like the places that we come from, where our family comes from, where they lived, their lineages, it's just a big old mess. And I think for me, all of those places show up in my work and in my life. Like there's a very practical Swedish farmer in me that (laughs) looks out at the sky and the, the weather and the chores and is like, all right, yeah, sure, let's go get it done. And then there's a very like questing intellectual Jewish side of me, because that family is very that side of the family is very intellectual. That's observing and analyzing and making story and meaning. And then there is a part of me that finds such contentment and meaning in the land. And when you grow up in Maine, maybe even especially on the coast of Maine, you kind of can't help it, unless you really hate it, and then you can leave it, and it's not a big deal at all. So I go back that far. Because I, I see all. I feel like a big pastiche, a big collage of everything that came before, and made this me. So Great I went. Great intro. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us. All right. So tell us what you do now. Um, now you're in New Hampshire, and I also am a Maine at heart. And I know what you yeah. mean. It just gets inside you, like all the way yep. to your bones, and you can't get it out.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Now, I'm in New Hampshire, and for the last um, almost 10 years, I have been working for myself. And largely, that was copywriting for years and years and years. Anything that a business, large or small, needed as to present themselves to the public, I would help write. Um, and it was very uh, organic is probably the nice way to say it. Um, I kind of just followed wherever the work was. And I had some very ambitious and connected friends who became colleagues, and they sent a lot of work my way. Um, I was raising a young child, so it worked out in a lot of ways. But whenever people would ask me about my business, um, I would always feel a little bit like a fraud. Because as much as I would say, no, I'm I'm running a business, the truth was I was in freelancing phase. I was really just searching for the gig, getting the gig, going on to a new gig, which isn't that different from a business, but I did never felt like I was building or even participating in an entity. I never felt like I was um, creating or even participating in making an entity that was separate from my personality or my literal like this is one hour of my time and i'm giving it away for this amount of money it really wasn't until and i can't believe it was so it took so long it wasn't until 2020 um, when again i followed the energy of what was happening and began offering uh, writing groups or writing salons online i had done them in person um but the timing was right. There was a need. I had a talent and a training. and it evolved. And now i I have this business entity that is like a being in collaboration with me. <laughs> like uh, it has to do with me, and I'm like I'm it's shot through with me, but it's not just me. Um, and that's largely writing, leading the writing groups, working one-on one with writers. And um, kind of spreading the word about how I approach uh, being on the page.
0: I love that. I've heard it described that way before that like Mm -hmm. we create our businesses collaboratively with our businesses. They're not, Mm -hmm. they are not innately us. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I really love that. And it gives you more freedom, I think, to kind Mm -hmm. of, see where it wants to go, and explore new opportunities and ideas with it, and also to set boundaries for it. You know what I mean? It's like, like mm-hmm. now you're kind of responsible for keeping this little business safe. You know, like you need to protect mm-hmm. it from things coming at it. And so it almost puts yeah. you more in a protective role. Um. So yeah. I really love the way you described that. So, all right, let's talk now, because I know you have this mm-hmm interesting story with your experience in the writing world and Mm -hmm. you stopped writing for I think 16 years Mm -hmm. um so why don't you tell us the why behind that and like what led you to put the brakes on on producing anything
1: yes this is my epic saga (laughs) it's like my hallmark movie of writing um yeah for real so I think Sometimes some of us, our brains are just wired for writing. It's just the way we make sense of the world. It probably just has to do with how this synapse connected to this synapse when we were in the womb. Um, but it was it was a natural state of being for me. And then when I was in high school, I started writing poetry because for many of us that's a rite of passage. But it became very very important, and it became a real study, a, a real apprenticeship. With poetry and poetic form and literary culture, Um, and I got some attention for it, which is such a blessing and such a curse. When when one's ego is so young and needy and unconscious to get attention, um, it feels like something you have to keep living up to, and that really the art that you do is no good unless you're still. Um, operating at that level. I won this award. I got to go to New York and read poetry in front of all the fancy poets and um, incredible opportunity and um, really hard to recover from because art, being an artist, it's, it's lifelong. And I had no idea what it meant to be a practicing writer. I had no concept of artistic discipline. I had no sense of it as a calling. All I had was like pure sensation of what it was like to write and that some important people had said I was good. <laughs> it's not a whole lot to grow on. And I and I was me. I had my own, you know, wounds and faults and and um, ego. So when I got to college and um, eventually came to a place where really no one cared, which is also true there's a great indifference to any of us um, at some point I really didn't know what to do it was like the page dried up my I I felt at one point when I was younger like my arms were filled with poems and it was gone it was all just gone and I think this is so familiar I mean I bet writers or artists of any stripe have gone through periods in the desert But I had no context. I had no idea. It was so heartbreaking. Um, So I learned to play the guitar and my mantra was like, I'm going to do this and I'm never going to be any good. Like I released myself from the pressure to ever have to be good. So the guitar did that for a long time, but I really stopped writing in a way that felt like it was me. I wrote for work. I, you know, did freelance gigs and worked at a magazine at a time and, would try doing different projects, but it was all very angry and cold.
0: Oh no. I <laughs> you know, it was so
1: sad. It was like a whole decade. And then some. Um, so that was the hardest part. Like it felt like the gift was gone and I had no tools to get it back. Yeah, I know. We could end there in this really depressing place. <laughs> And that was
0: it. Podcast over. Over. Um, so, so you next. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's unfair to the audience because I know the story. But I know. I know. Tell tell us about how you discovered the gateless writing method, specifically, you know, the writing retreat that changed it for you. And and I want to know this. You haven't answered for me. How did you get your butt to that writing retreat if you were in such a a desolate place? So I had a
1: son in 2011, and uh, any kind of experience like that, which really takes you apart physically or spiritually, and it could be it could be a baby, it could be um, a health incident, it could be climbing a huge mountain, but anything that really gets you down to your bones, there is a rebuilding process. So I had an infant. I did not recognize myself. I was a little crazy and utterly sleep deprived. And I just thought I need to find a writing group. I, I need to do something that's not baby. Um, so I Googled writing groups for my little area. And this page came up. It was like like this Ancient scroll background, and the website had to have been made in like two thousand and three. It was a very it was very early internet iteration, some internet explorer template. and um, I think we
0: can all picture exactly yeah. what kind of website you're talking about
1: and it was just this massive block of text. That's how I remember it. it may it, the reality may have been different and from this woman named Suzanne Kingsbury talking about her salons and her method called gateless writing. And I wish I could remember the actual text, but I just remember failing like, huh, that sounds neat and not too far away and a little whimsical and a little playful. I'm like, Okay. So whatever, I don't know, self-preservation instinct or part of me that refused to to really let go the the this writing calling which i think is very impersonal like it comes to us and and we have to do something with it <laughs> and so this was the thing to do it was a tuesday night about 45 minutes away and um i left my spouse and son at home and i drove and i was just i was so so anxious. It was in this house that um, Suzanne used to call the dollhouse. It was very much an old Victorian crenellated thing with many floors. They went up a narrow staircase and into her like shabby chic apartment, which was filled when I walked in with poets. And they all had on these long scarves and writers who were like, someone must have had a fedora. They had to have been there. And there were like watermelon slices and chocolate and wine. And I was like, what am I doing here this (laughs) this is impossible and so is that frozen clenched place very angry um but i hung out because that's also when you're anxious and shy it's also very hard to leave places um so i just kind of hung out in my spot and suzanne opened up the salon which has these very specific rules of of process and engagement and she gave us a prompt and um, we had some time to write. And I wrote about a mother brushing a daughter's hair. Um, and when it was my turn to read, I finished reading and there was this silence. And Suzanne went, hot damn! <laughs> and if you ever meet her, you'll know that that's very Suzanne. Um, sorry for younger listeners. But it's uh, imagine that as a great prayer to... Uh, a wonderful, a moment of wonderful writing. And the people told me what they liked in what I wrote. Very specific feedback. And I didn't believe any of it. Not a single word. I thought they were liars. I thought they were perhaps stupid. I thought they were being um, p- taking pity on me. I say this because every writer who's come to my salons who hasn't written in a while has those exact same thoughts. The distrust of positive feedback is is very high. Like that critic that does not wanna believe it is incredibly repetitive and similar across people.
0: So it was there for me too. I remember feeling the same way. I was like, um, these people are all just blowing smoke up my ass, yes, so exactly. carry on.
1: What's wrong with them? <laughs> the other part of it was that when I got to give feedback on other people's work, I was, I was naturally good at that. And that felt really good to be like, Oh, okay, Diana, that poem that you just read, which remains one of my favorite poems to this day, I love it because of this and this and this, and I can say why. That was very powerful. And um, I left not transformed. I was very angry and very scared, but I was hooked. And a, maybe a year later, Suzanne led a local retreat where I could go home in the evenings back to my my family and I went the second day I called my husband from the bathroom and said I don't know what I'm doing here I just hate hate it so much I don't belong he's like just come home and I called my friend Terry who Emily knows I hate it here she says Becky come on get it together (laughs) so I stayed and that happened I went to like three more retreats and that kept happening Over and over again, I would be so drawn to it, so enriched by it, and have these moments of painful crying from the closet doubt. Eventually, Terry was like, Becky, you do this every time. You're going to be fine. And my husband, Bob, just kind of (laughs) stopped responding. (laughs) Uh, The worst time was um, at a retreat where I felt very out of place. Um, I kind of socially, I, I didn't feel like I belonged. And I, people were working on things that were more advanced. Like they were just further along in their process than I was. And, um, and I ended up hiding in a closet. I just felt so, uh, uh, so tortured and sad and they couldn't find me. And they went looking, they thought I had like fallen into the lake. <laughs> it was ridiculous and embarrassing
0: but we kept, what were, was it, what yeah. was it that made you not feel that you fit in? Um,
1: well, they were all very pretty. Like they're, it was all women and they were very lovely, very stylish women, which is a real, like my inner critic really like bites into that one hard. Um, and was, it was 2014. So I was three years postpartum, which is really, it's still really rough. It can be really rough for a long time. Um, and I had broken my foot earlier that year, just a little bone, so I wasn't. My body wasn't feeling right, and um, I think on that retreat, I also was like uh, what was called the sweetheart. There's usually a position that's like a helper in the kitchen or kind of in the chores, and you get a slightly reduced rate. It was such a bad fit because I was a new mom. I need. I I, <laughs> I was not a sweetheart. <laughs>
0: you were like being a servant. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've always had a hard time with those kind of work study things. Um, but, uh, so there's just a lot of reasons. It just, I couldn't show, I just was off. But what happened when I came out of that, um, Suzanne was very, I came out of the closet, like, sorry guys. Um, Suzanne said, Becky, I will always go into the closet with you when you need to be in the dark place. And she didn't reject me, or she didn't punish me. She held, you know, she held the door open for connection. And that was very nice. But also after that retreat, when I was thinking about it, I was emailing Suzanne I said Suzanne is the point or one point that it's not what happens in any one salon or any one writing session that matters but that you show up over and over again and in that practice you come to know that the page is with you as a companion she said yes (laughs) And she probably said, she's very, she's very eloquent, so she probably said it in some more beautiful way. And even though the lesson had been so hard, I, it changed me. However, it took two more years before I did the gateless writing teacher training, which really um, immerses you in the method of how to be a leader of that, this kind of writing group, where I felt freedom with it. Where I really understood myself and felt myself as a writer who had a relationship to the page. the whole group went swimming on Long Island Sound that night under the moon. I was probably skinny dipping like it's a very ecstatic like divine feminine rising event and I swam over to Suzanne who is has a very free sense of um, of happiness you know she'll be like that was fantastic we're gonna blow the roof off and I'd always be like yeah well (laughs) and uh so I swam over to her and I said Suzanne this was ecstatic and she said finally it only took four years to get you here oh that's funny that's very (laughs) funny and then and then that was a big that was a big permanent shift not that there haven't been dips and. And gullies with my own writing but that changed things in a big way for me
0: yeah I mean I think you know if if you take that person that you're telling me that you were this Mm -hmm. uh person who went to this begrudgingly and Mm -hmm. you know bringing a little bit of that Swedish farmer with you maybe (laughs) um the comparing that to the person you are now it's just a world of different you know like I see that in you now, where you pull out to people or pull it out to people, and you're like, This is going to be ecstatic. We're yes. going to pull the roof off I of it. Know. And I can see it's on like-
1: their faces, like, Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: Well, I I, I actually want to push back on that a little yeah. bit because I do think that you um, inspire people that that energy is possible in that moment, even when they might not believe it for themselves. Yeah. So at first they might look at you a little bit like, uh, this woman has three heads, but, <laughs> but the second we start dipping our toes in, mm-hmm. we realize, oh my God, she's right. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this elusive gateless writing yes. method yes. and like what makes it so different. So one thing you said, and I think Suzanne just like, she just kind of embodies this method. Like Mm -hmm. she sees this in people in everyday interaction, not just Mm -hmm. in writing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that the gateless method can be applied to life in so many ways, Mm -hmm. not just in writing. Mm -hmm. So let's let's talk about it specifically and like what makes it different. And Mm -hmm. then that will help people to kind of understand even how they can apply it to other aspects of life, not just writing.
1: Sure. So um gateless writing leads from a core belief that to write well, to write our most potent, powerful, raw, original work, we need to start in a place that's um free of criticism. It sounds so simple, but we are saturated in a culture that leads with criticism, particularly for writing. Our writing is criticized from the moment we take pen to paper and we start to make our letters and they're not correct. We start to make our sentences and the punctuation is not correct. We start to make our essays and they're not correct. It just, from that moment on, writing is a chore that is constantly criticized. And then when you get into... Um, I know I'm going off a little bit, but when you get into creative writing, the pervasive culture is that you have to point out what's wrong in other people's work, and that's the only way they're going to get better. That there is limited talent, there's limited opportunity. Only some of us get to be great, and you have to fight and claw your way into, uh, I don't know, literary success. And you'd better look for what's wrong in everybody else's work because people are full of crap. They're full of ego. um, They're full of delusion. And unless you're really clear about what's bad, you're not going to be any good, which is all just ridiculous. Suzanne did this research into what is actually happening in the brains of people who are at the top of their game, uh, writing literary masters. She found this body of research that showed that when people are in a state of creation with the, with the word, the centers of their brain that are associated with, um, with criticism, with fear, with defensiveness, are quiet. They are not getting activated. The centers of their brain that are associated with image making, with memory, with language, those are, those are on. Those are getting the resources. So she paired that with what um, studies she had done of Zen Buddhism, particularly the state where the writer is one or the artist is one with the art. And, um, and then of the translated word for that is, is gateless. She created a set of rules for how we come to the page in a group and how we talk about each other's work that keep criticism just out of the room, just out of the room. It is so radical in a culture that believes taking things apart, deconstructing is the way to greatness. These rules are really, really simple. Um, The sessions begin with a kind of meditation ish <laughs> some some gateless teachers are like meditation teachers i say ish because i'm not but i have a sonorous voice that can get people into kind of a chill state um and then a prompt a prompt that um when they're really in line with the group helps draw forth kind of unexpected some sort of embodied sensory material it, but the prompts have some a lot of latitude and then timed, uh, timed writing, usually about 25 minutes. And then during feedback, the only feedback that the writer gets is what worked. What was powerful. Where the listeners felt the energy of the piece the strongest. The words that they loved. And if you have a group that is willing to do this and maybe has practiced a little bit why it worked. So it's not just, I love the color blue, but I love the color blue right there because that showed us how the daughter was connected to the grandmother, you know, whatever the circumstance is. So you're only getting reflected back to you where your writing is strong and you're getting language for why. So it brings the craft consciously into your into your understanding of yourself as a writer. And then you're doing it for other people. You're starting to see where writing is good and what works. And you get to go towards that as fast as you can. And then what's not working, you're paying less attention to it. You just kind of stop doing it because it's not getting the resources of your attention. I'm just not there. yeah, you take it, Emily, because that was a lot of talking.
0: <laughs> no, I love it. I love that. Um, and one really important rule that uh, you know I tried to do this with the peer groups for mm-hmm. She Built This as well. But you say never turn the feedback back around and make it like a story about yourself. Yes. And- it it seems so subtle, it seems so little, like, well, well yeah. I just wanna relate it back to when I was a kid, you yeah. know? I wanna tell them that, that that reminded me of when I was yes. five. But when you are the person who has just shared your work with all of these people and someone takes that story and Mm -hmm. then turns it about yourself, Mm -hmm. it loses all the energy. And so that rule for me is really powerful, like keeping it. And, 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 you know, it's, it's so natural in our human brains to want to empathize and to sympathize with each other and Mm -hmm. share experiences. Mm -hmm. But that rule is so powerful Mm -hmm. because it always reminds you that, you know, everybody gets their turn. Mm -hmm. First of all, (laughs) we all get a chance to shine and you really want to keep the light shining on that person. So, I mean, I I truly can say that when you sit down and you write in a gateless salon, there's there's something about the collective energy Mm -hmm. that everybody writing together. Mm -hmm. When you hear people give you their feedback on your work, at first, the very first couple of times, I'll say two Mm -hmm. or three. I had the same experience that you did, Becky, where I was like, please stop. This is funny. You guys are so funny. (laughs) But you need to stop being so nice. Or like, I would do something my aunt taught me to say, which is, that's nice to say, you know, like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) Um, But after that, a little bit of an adjustment period, I think it brings so much, like, wow. Like, you just feel all of this confidence in the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. You start to learn like your voice, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And because people tell you, this is, you know, this is your voice. This is what we love about your voice. Mm -hmm. And so you start to really be like, oh yeah, I'm going to lean into that. Mm -hmm. It really shows you the areas that you want to Mm -hmm. lean into. Mm -hmm. And I think just by way of anything that we focus on in life, when we focus on the positive, Mm -hmm. like a lot of that negative stuff just sort of starts to mm-hmm. fade away. You know, like you're not making as many of these mistakes because no one's pointing them out to you constantly. Yeah. yeah. So um and, and you know, when I sit down to do someone's content, I notice a big difference mm-hmm. in when I'm feeling really confident with the with the um Client And the way that I know that they're going to interact with it when they read it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I think someone's going to be pretty harsh or judgmental, it's Mm -hmm. almost like it's a creativity blocker Mm -hmm. right there. So Mm -hmm. I think just allowing people that like, it's like a deep breath, just Mm -hmm. take a breath. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're Mm -hmm. all friends here. Mm -hmm. And and your brain and your body are just going to interact with this material in the way that they want to without any judgment. So yes, yeah. I love it. that's just an, that's just like my own takeaway and perspective from it. but
1: well, that's beautiful, because it lets the, it lets our our ego brain that really likes to control everything and really thinks it's all about us, it just gives it a minute to step to the side so that we can be with the work itself without needing to project onto it without needing it for it to perform for us in a particular way. It's sort of like related to that when someone has a very emotional moment in salon, which happens you know things come up and they start to cry every once in a while the participants will be like oh my god are we going to be okay and for me as the leader it's like of course we're going to be okay because we're here to be with the work like the person's okay like you know the person is fine their work has potent energy in it and that is what we're here to do and by not like we support each other if we're in person like we'll pass tissues and rub shoulders you know, like we'll be there for the person but we're not there to dissect the person's psychology by not doing that in this moment, by being with the work, the emotion is actually allowed to, um, to transform a little bit. It gets to be processed and moved through. So I, you know, of course there are lines when someone is having a true emergency, that's that, you know, there, there are boundaries here, but in a kind of general spectrum of human experience, it's so powerful to come to the work and not need it to, um, make our egos feel good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think exactly what you said, it is the, like, that is when you create your most powerful work. Yeah, So when when you get that ego out of the way, get the inner critic out of the way and let your, your work step up to the plate. So, okay. Um, so I have, (laughs) I have another question for you. What is your, advice or recommendation for aspiring writers or authors?
1: Um, I think I can say what I wish I had when I was a younger writer. Um, be careful who you show your work to. It is, it is one of the most important things to have a writing community and to have even one person whom you can show your work to. That's vital.
0: And I think I think that, you know, a lot of us, it, not just in writing, but in, in all sorts of things, we can close our eyes and remember that moment when we showed an idea to somebody or something before it was like cleaned up and ready to be shown to the world. And we asked somebody their opinion and they said that they didn't like it or they said that it needed to go back to the drawing board and it completely sucked the life out of it for us. I mean. I know personally I've had that experience where I've shared a Google Doc like in this moment of elation and then I get it back and it has all these red lines and I'm like, I didn't ask you to redline this. I just wanted you to be excited for me.
1: Yes. And I think, think, yes, and that's a great piece of advice. Like let yourself just want support for a long time. Like just tell me what is good here. And that is really, I would say for a young writer, that is really powerful that is to know what's working and they're not going to tell you the things <laughs> like you're going to know what's not working because they're not going to point it out. But to, to, for so long, to let the work grow in its strengths. Um, I think the other advice I would give, um, and this is advice I'm still learning for myself is what is, who can you learn what a writing practice looks like? Who do you know who has who is a writer who's making the kind of art that you feel like you want to make? What is their practice? And can you try that? Um, for me, not having any skills, really any imagination about what it looked like. All I had were like the stupid romantic ones of the starving artist in the attic with like the mittens with the fingers cut off so they could type. Like- <laughs> burning, burning their poems over a sing. It was ridiculous. The images that I had, I didn't, I didn't understand. And it also seemed like it's either that, or you had to have a lot of money to afford this life. And there was nothing in between. So I, I seek that out. I mean, that's kind of my life's work right now is to figure out how do we, how do we help each other build artistic practices in in a world where you you have to learn it. It's not, I mean, people who know that from the beginning, I think are very lucky. Um, and I think the other advice would be that and this is you're going to hear this all the time from everybody. But the page teaches you what you need to know about your work. And that's the page of other writers studying other writers for how they do what you love is your apprenticeship. Studying being with your work and letting your work speak to you. And I know that sounds so goofy and I don't have a really clear way to say it. This is why this is why I should talk to Suzanne eventually because she'll be able to say it. But your work has energy. It has an intelligence of its own. And when you touch it regularly, when you're in practice with it, you start to feel it when it's moving well, when it's speaking well, when it wants to change and you know I mean, there's a kind of non-linear knowing. Um,
0: well, I think going back to what you, what you had said in the beginning about how you're treating your business more like that, it's a, it's a really similar concept. Like both of those things have a life of their own and they'll tell you what they want.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you're not alone with it. I forget this all the time. I get wrapped up in my, in my sad thought cycles. Um, that it's just me and I have to come up with it. But the page, Elizabeth Gilbert has, that her big TED talk um, has that line about someone saying, oh, you think there's some invisible fairy running around rubbing fairy juice on your page? And she's like, yes. (laughs) And I say, yes, there's an element to that. You're not alone when you're doing, when you're, the word passing through you onto the page, through your body onto the page, it's you are accompanied by, by a force, and I, I believe that with all my
0: heart. So. so what are you in the process of writing right now?
1: Um, I've been working on a novel for a long time. Well, I don't think I can say long time because sometimes people work on it for 30 years, but it's been on and off for seven years, I'm very much in the margins. So like my work of creating a writing practice is, is ongoing. Um, but it's there. There's something there's something solid and accumulated there.
0: Am I allowed to get any hints?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oh. Um, Let's see. I've been practicing this, actually, like letting it come out of the inky blank, inky blackness of creation and privacy, just like experimenting with bringing it into the sunlight just a little. I will say it's it's set in 1945 in New York City. And the main character is a, a college student um, with very messy hair. How's that?
0: So that is very exciting, and mm-hmm. I will be first in line to read it. Um, so hurry! Coming in twenty forty three. Um, okay, and so let's say somebody wants to work with you and try out the mm-hmm. gateless writing method for themselves. Who's a good mm-hmm. fit for it, first of all, and mm-hmm. um, how can they how can they connect with you and do that? So people who seem to cotton onto
1: it are. Um, are open to listening to other people's work. I think that's probably the the biggest factor. You're opening you're open to hearing other people's work and and really taking it in and thinking about why it's awesome. After that, it doesn't matter what genre you're in, it doesn't matter how experienced you are. Um it doesn't matter how many books you've published. If you're if you're interested in experiencing the listening part of it, listening and reflecting, the rest of it kind of falls into place. I think people who've been stuck for a long time um, often find a lot of liberation. So if they wish they were a writer or they used to be a writer, uh, this shakes up the <laughs> the neural pathways in a way that can be quite freeing. Um, age doesn't matter, gender doesn't matter. Um, the The process is very it's very safe because the rules are so clear but it it is vulnerable and sometimes I've noticed that men have a little bit harder time letting themselves feel okay in that space but those who do in my experience Emily's been in salon with my dad (laughs) he loves it I love Carl
0: (laughs) yeah we love Carl
1: (laughs) um but I think that's good you know it's Kind of an eyes wide open thing to know what it's like. It tends to be a fairly, um, fairly female space, but not exclusively so. Um, the and you know, kind of a negative example is people who really want to practice specific grammar skills, or they really, really want to be told what's wrong with their work. They're probably not going to be super satisfied. In this, you know, they're going to feel like they're missing a vital. A vital nutrient.
0: I don't think you're ever going to go to a salon and have someone be like, you missed a comma there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can't
0: even see it. should have been a semicolon in that one.
1: So, And this is particularly good for generative writing, like when you're getting the first draft stuff or the first exploration. I work with writers who are doing books and they're in revision and the method works very well for that. Um, but it helps to do it for first draft writing first, just to kind of learn it and figure out how it fits in with you. And people can work with me and come try out this method with me in a couple of ways. Um, I have a fall online salon series that runs for eight weeks starting at the end of September. Um, And that meets once or twice a week. You have two options. And it has a ton of little extra bonus goodies to support really the development of your writing practice or the, the continuation of it. Um, for folks who are local to my area, which is around Keene, New Hampshire, I do a in-person salon every Tuesday. And
0: then Emily and I are doing something special. In Temple, New Hampshire, yes. um, this yeah. Friday, actually, September 17th. So it's going to be a half day writing retreat and I'll make sure all of these links so that people, you know, when dates and times work for people, they can say, Ooh, I'm going to try that out. But then you're also doing one more free salon. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness for
1: Emily. Yeah. If you want to like not commit to the whole shebang yet on September 18th online noon Eastern, I'm doing a free salon. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome. It had totally gone out the window of my mind. September 18th, noon Eastern, a free salon so people can experience it. It's so much fun. Those free salons are honestly just, they are ecstatic.
0: Uh, to be in that room. I mean, that is what I tried. I think I tried one of yeah. one that you and I think you and Karen Kenny were doing it together. Yeah. yeah. But I was like hooked from from then. Yeah. It was just <laughs> yeah. so if you have the opportunity to attend one of Becky's free salons, of course do so. But I also encourage you, like if you are trying to create that writing practice and have a community of people that know exactly what it's like to be going through what you're going through. um, That's Mm -hmm. where that fall, you know, these fall salons are really going to be beneficial because it's not just a one-time thing. It's a regular practice. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and and Mm -hmm. you learn, you learn, I think the other great thing we didn't even get into, but gateless writing also teaches you to be a better listener um, yeah. you're listening to things in a new way for one thing, but you're also really hearing people, you know, you're hearing mm-hmm. their words and, and because you want to be able to reflect it back to them, you know, in a cohesive way. Yeah. Like you want to make sense when you're talking back, you know? Yes. And so you, yeah, you want to do right by them and the work. Yeah. yeah. So you really have to listen deeply, but I think it helps you, on the whole, as a listener, because you can Mm -hmm. use this method everywhere that Mm -hmm. you go, you know, you can use it at a cocktail party, when someone's, Mm -hmm. when someone's talking to you and telling, telling you about what they do for work. Oh, my gosh, I love this. I love that you do (laughs) that. You know, it's, it's really a totally different way of using your brain um, from a listener's perspective, too. And I I just couldn't get enough accolades, really. (laughs) That's
1: such a good, such a good Point Emily, like it goes into your writing. Any way that you're writing, the method translates. Any way that you're listening, the method translates. It's just, it is a, a beautiful way to
0: be with people. And one last thing that you forgot to share. um What did, what did I forget? Oh, great! I did. Becky also so has a podcast <laughs> called the Read to Me Podcast, in which yeah. she reads work and gives it gateless feedback. It's amazing. And so you can, like, if you're like, oh, I'm too scared. I am not going to one of those writing salons. Start with the podcast, listen to that first and understand how it works. And and right there, you will get a really good taste of what that feels like.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Emily, for remembering that. And you know, you had your guest, Cy Montgomery, a few weeks ago, and I did one of her books. Oh, a few months ago. And it was so delightful. And it all came back to me listening to your episode. So if you haven't listened to to Emily's episode with Cy Montgomery, do that.
0: Oh, and now I'll have to go find yours of Cy Montgomery. Look at that. (laughs) Well, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. And um, thanks for taking time to come share with us about the method. And also, I hope that, you know, if anyone is feeling how you felt when you were like, I'm done, I'm just done with the page. I don't ever want to see it again. It's Torture—it's not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I hope that they'll say, "Well, maybe there's another option." You know, maybe I haven't considered everything yet. And they'll go visit one of your salons and see that it is not at all (laughs) what what the writing world and publishing world makes it out to be. It can be a really Mm -hmm. fun, joyful, light, freeing experience.
1: Well put, Emily. Thank you for being such an incredible champion. I'm Team Becky, so.
0: To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.